George Kilpatrick, inspiration for the nation celebrating people we feel good about. Well, it is Black History Month, and we've got a sister who made history. And for some reason, we have not been giving this sister her flowers. So it's time to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the first African-American female police officer in the history of the city of Syracuse, better known as Cassandra Jones Ingram. Now, I know her as Officer Friendly, but we'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, you've been retired for 23 years. Take me back to when you first decided that you wanted to be a Syracuse police officer. Okay, um, back in 1979, I believe it was, um, I was just walking downtown, my brother and I, and we ran across um, Sergeant Edge, who was a sergeant at the time. Yeah. Uh, he was in the recruitment trailer. And um, we saw him, we said, hey, how you doing? You know, because we already knew him. So we were saying hi. So he said, well, um, why don't you two come on in here and fill out these papers, you know, fill out the paperwork to become police officers to take the police exam. And we said, oh, okay, it wouldn't hurt, you know. Uh, so we um, went in, we did the paperwork and um, we did take the exam. Um, I passed, my brother didn't. And so now we have two years on the list once you be, you know, take the exam. So I'm like, okay, I'm thinking this is gonna happen like right away. Cause I actually did need a job, uh, a, a full-time job because I was presently, at that time I was working as a cosmetologist working in a hair salon. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I need to, I need to find something else to do because I was always trying to find something more, something more, something more. So at this time, I tried to, um, well, I got on a police list, and um, a year went by, and I still hadn't heard anything. So what I did was, um, I called Chief Ed. Well, it was Chief Edge when I retired. Mm-hmm. When he, before he passed, he was Chief Edge. So I um, called him on the phone and I said, okay, it's been a year. Uh, anything going on? You, you got anything for me? So he said, um, I'll get back to you. So he did. And when he got back to me, he it wasn't the police. Um, I wasn't being hired as a police officer, but I was going to be hired as a community service officer, which was considered a special police where you had um, uniform, you had, you know, the, the whole, whole gear actually community service officers now don't carry guns. But in my day, I mm-hmm. carried a gun. I had a billy stick. I had a uniform. The only difference in my uniform was that there was a, a yellow stripe down the side and mm-hmm. pay was was less, you know. So I still went around and handled stuff, but I just wasn't a police officer by title. And so when did you decide? But so you, it wasn't like you had this great dream. You just walking downtown and decide, oh, I'll just do that. Exactly. I never desired to be a police officer. It was never one of the things like, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to be a police officer. I never thought about being a police officer. All I thought about police officers was they were there in the community to help people and to take care of situations. And, you know, when you call them, because we really never had growing up. Um, I lived in Pioneer Hall, grew up in Pioneer Homes. Um, I started out on McBride Street, um, 931. I remember the dress really well um 931 south mcbride and we lived there till i was eight years old because back in that time the siblings the children had to sleep in the same room until they reached a certain age so then we moved to um tyler court when i turned eight but i never you know really saw the police so it was never really a desire to be a police officer but what happened was i was in need of a job at the time 
Mm-hmm. And um, I was it was explained that, you know, you work 20 years and you can retire. I didn't hear really hear all of that. I just needed a job. <laughs> so so um, once I um, was a community of service officer, I did that for 10 months. And for, after 10 months, I, I joined, the, I became a police a community service officer in October of 1980. And then um, 10 months later, I became a police officer. So um, that's how I got started. But again, it was never my intention to become a police officer. I was now, in need of a job. Were there other Black community service officers at the time? Women. I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't, I don't believe so. I never, you know, I never even thought about that, but I don't believe that there were any other community police officers, uh, black women. No. And so what did it feel like to finally become a police officer or would, or because you were able to, I want to say lead up to it. I mean, it was still a big deal being the first, what was that like for you at the time? Well, um, when they told me that I would be the first, it wasn't, it, it didn't really rise me. I mean, it's like, uh, okay, all right, you know, because I didn't, I didn't take the job to become the first. I took the job because I needed a job. Right, straight up. Happened, it just so happened that it fell on my lot to become the first. Now there were other women, black women, who had tried the job, tried to get on the job, but they, you know, once they do the background check, some things don't, you know, pan out, and so they don't take the job. You know, so um, I guess after my background check, I just there was nothing to kind of hinder me from doing it. So I became the first. And so what was that like for you once you got on the force? Um, when I first got there, it was great. Um, the novelty wore off eventually, but when I first got there, they put me on a walking beat so that I could be seen in the community. And um, the community was well pleased at the fact that they we finally had a black female officer because it had been 30 years prior that they had a black officer, male officer, and then 30 years later, here I come. So they were real, really pleased about seeing me there. And the fact that, you know, a lot of them knew me being that I grew up in the city of Syracuse. So it, it started out really well. Um, I do recall, though, um, when working the desk, I think as a community service officer, I don't think I had made officer yet, that there was a gentleman who came to the front desk and he asked to speak to an officer. I said, so how can I help you? He said, I want to speak to a male white officer. I said, oh, okay. So then I went to the sergeant that was sitting, you know, in the office. And I said, there's a gentleman outside of the desk and he wants to talk to an officer, but he wants to talk to a male white officer. So he said, <laughs> he said, okay. So he came to the desk and he said, um, this lady is well, this officer is well able to help you with whatever it is that you need, you know, and if there's anything that she can't help you with, then I can help you. So she's, he said, do you either deal with her, you know, or you leave? Well, he left. He didn't want to deal with me. So he didn't, whatever his situation was, it wasn't taken care of by me. So he left the building. And so did you feel the support of, did you overwhelmingly, uh, as you um, continued to do your job, did you feel completely supported um, in your new role? Um, I was, I felt supported in some areas, but I, I could, I still could sense in my, in, in my insides that there were officers, male officers who did not appreciate the fact that I was there. Um, I did road patrol, so you had to ride with officers. So I know that um, because they're used to what they do, uh, when I say used to what they do, I rode with one officer who was a smoker. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, he did just because I was in the car, he was, you know, my FTO, my field training officer, he didn't stop smoking. He let the window down a little bit, but it still didn't really help the situation. He didn't say, would this bother you? He didn't ask any things like, you're a rookie, you're going to ride, but if you don't like it too bad, you know. So I didn't ride with him long. So um, eventually they kind of, you know, because they rotated you around different hours, different um, field training officers. So, um, he, and, and I think probably he is the one that complained that I was with him. He didn't want, he didn't want me to be one of his, his trainees. So I think he's the one that said, I don't want to do this because a lot of the officers, if they had been there any length of time, they did not want to be FTOs for, for rookies. Did you find that being a black woman or being a woman was harder? I think, I think both. Mm. I don't, I don't, for me, I didn't feel where there was a, a separation of the two. Um, and I say that because um, when I was, uh, after I had been there a year, because the novelty wore off after a year. When I had been there a year, I was pregnant with my first child and um, they didn't know what to do with me. Um, mm. I was I was like, you know, it was like, cause, because most women, either they already had children or they didn't have them on the job. It wasn't, I mean, there were women there, but I I, I do remember that there was one woman who, whose husband was also an officer. She didn't, she left the job after she um, had her first child because she was wanted to be a mother. She wanted to stay home and take care of her, her children. So she she um, didn't come back to the job even though she was there for a length of time. Um, and so I think they figured, well, we, we hired this young lady and here she is now she's pregnant. You know, what are we gonna do with her? So um, what ended up happening is that they, we had like a 911 center in the basement of the public safety building. So that's where I worked through two of my children. Mm -hmm. Every time I had a child, you know, the two first two children I worked in this uh, communications is what we called it, where we got the 911 calls. And, um, um, you know, I mean, I, I didn't, we didn't even have uniforms then. So this is how unprepared the city was. We didn't have uniforms for maternity. And um, what I did was I made my uniform. I made a jumper and I made a uh, <laughs> pants jumper and I made a dress. And I wore the police shirt underneath those items. Those <clears throat> and I just rotated them for my whole nine months. And um, I wore my badge on the on my unit on the dress I made or the, the jumper I made. So I was still representing. However, you know they didn't know what to do with me, and they didn't you know they didn't say you can't wear. They didn't say what to wear because they didn't have a uniform for me. So I made my own uniform for the police for while I was pregnant. And um, so would you, you know, say it was? It was Mm, go ahead. Would you say it was welcoming for you? And you said the novelty wore off after a year. Uh, how was it welcoming throughout your time there? Some I got along with a lot of officers. What happened was after I had the first child, it's like people, the community forgot about me because mm. they didn't see me. So mm -hmm. they didn't, some of them didn't realize I was still in existence. They said, oh, we didn't even know you were still here. Mm. You know, we thought you were gone. It's like they saw me and then they didn't. So, um, you know, that, that was, um, uh, kind of different, you know, cause it's like, I didn't think I was gone that long for them to miss me to the point where they didn't really even know I still existed. So it was like, I had to start all over again. Um, so, but I was still doing road patrol after that. I mean, it took me a while to get back out on the road, but when I got back out there, you know, then they remembered who I was. Some people. 
did you ever, once you became, you know, police officer and you were doing the job, um, mm -hmm. what was the most challenging aspect for you? I would say probably dealing with not the streets is I, the streets was, was, I loved working the streets. I loved doing the officer friendly. I loved doing the dare program. I loved what I was doing for me. It was the administration. It's like sometimes how they treated me. Um, I was saying earlier today, um, when I was talking to some, a group of people that, um, I can remember one Sergeant who, um, I had done a call. I was on a call and he, when I finished the call, he came up behind me. I had sent the kids on their way, you know, it was a noise call and they had gone upstairs on their way upstairs walking. He comes to the call and he makes them come back downstairs. And I'm like, well, what, why is he doing that? You know, so he starts yelling and telling them to take off their, he had a spike bracelet and I think it was a spike belt. I know it was something on the belt. And so he, he made them take those things off. And he said, these could be used as weapons. I'm like, but they're making noise. They're not causing a problem. They're not hurting anybody. They were going upstairs, you know, that. So I'm like, I didn't understand why he was making them come back down and then taking their gear. So then later on, he calls me in the office. And this, this sergeant begins to yell at me. I mean, yell. And I'm like, wow, is this really happening? And he yells at me to tell me, what were you doing? And, and I explained to him that, you know, the call was over. The kids were going upstairs. They weren't causing a problem. So he said, well, they could have been used as weapon, these things. So I was like, I just listened. And he was just yelling. And then he said, um, do, are you having problems at home? I said, no. I was calm as a cucumber. But he was ranting and raving. I think the whole building could hear him yelling mm. at me. Mm. And so when he finished, I went back outside. I sat in my car for a little while to kind of cool off and to regrip. And then I went on back to work, but I just, I never understood why he did what he did, but I never, after that incident, I don't know somebody else higher ups talked to him, but I never had another incident with this gentleman. You talked about becoming, so I remember you as officer friendly right. and how did that happen? Um, well, Sergeant Edge, who had then become a chief, he was um, working mm. in communications which was the area where, you know, things were done with the community. And so he said that, um, I want you to apply for this position, you know, of officer friendly. I'd love for you to work officer friendly. So he hired me as officer friendly. And um, I did that for a number of years. Um, and that was um, before I worked Hilltop that I became officer friendly. I did work Hilltop for a while, which was a challenging pleasant place though when I mentioned it people are like hilltop it's like yeah that was one of my favorite places to work before I came became officer friendly and officer friendly meaning you were more like an ambassador you would do talks and presentations uh yes. in the community similar to what might be called the community service bureau now is that yes, fair to say okay okay yeah yeah so I and did I did as officer friendly, we went into school. Um, it was three officer friendlies at the time I became officer friendly. We would go into schools three times a year. We talk to the kids about stranger danger, about bicycle safety, and um, what else did we talk to them about? I can't remember the third. It was oh, and about um, good touch, bad touch. So we would work with we would in, we were work with Great Crisis Center to teach that. Mm. And you you also obviously talked about. 
doing the drug awareness resistance education dare yes. program. <laughs> yes. yes, we did that with sixth graders um, mm -hmm. in in number of schools. So um, at the first when I first started, I think I had like thirteen schools, public and parochial schools, to attend mm -hmm. to do programs. And then after we lost one of our, um, not lost, but he retired, one of our officer funders retired, we then, I then took on like 18 schools. So we would go in and talk to the kids. And the drug drug abuse resistance education was to teach the children to stay away from drugs and the dangers of drugs. And um, peer pressure also was a part of that, you know, not to be pressured to do the, the drugs or anything that, you know, would cause harm to you, yourself, you know, your, you or other people or to cause you to do something that would take you to jail. So that's pretty much what that program was about. So you did your 20 years mm -hmm. and then you now do something else. What do you do now? Well, um, after I left the police department, I did work at Syracuse housing for about five years mm -hmm. working um, in the security department where I would go, you know, check on the tenants, you know, to make sure they were all right, we'd check their doors and make sure that they were fine. And um, then I ended up working in um, one of the buildings, apartment buildings, where I would have people, you know, sign people into the building for a few years. I did that. And then I, um, excuse me, after after finishing with that, I um, was doing a business. I was um, doing in Getty Fragrance and Designs where I made perfumes. I make body butters. I was, um, was making jewelry, but not, um, I ended up leaving making jewelry and I collect collected um, vintage jewelry so that I would, you know, um, I would buy and resell vintage jewelry, jewelry that people couldn't find that maybe their grandparents wore or something like that, you mm -hmm. know, so I went into um, vintage wear. And, and that's what you're doing now? That's what I do now part-time. And um, I'm like a full-time caregiver for my mom also right now who has mm -hmm. dementia. Mm. So I, I'm there with her mainly during the day hours and um, my brother is there in the evening hours, but she can, she, right now she can still stay alone, but we we're there with her because mm -hmm. to get her fed and to get, you know, make sure she has some company, you know, so that's what we do right now for her. Well, 91. how old is she? 91. Wow. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, Sandy, we like, we're so glad that you stopped by to give us a little history of the history that you made uh, in the queues. Do you feel like you're like a celebrity or anything? <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> not really. <laughs> well, we don't want people to forget that you made history as the first uh, female police officer, black woman uh, in the history of the city of Syracuse. And many others have come behind you. And so yes, yes. Uh, many others have come behind you. Many of them I know. So some yes. of whom, I shouldn't say many, some of whom I know. Um, <laughs> some of whom I know. And yes. um, well, listen, uh, love and support, obviously, to your family. That's the most important thing. And we wanted Syracuse to remember who you are. And uh, you. you blazed the trail for many others to follow. Cassandra Jones Ingram, I know her as Officer Friendly, but she's the first African-American female police officer in the history of the city of Syracuse. Thank you so much for being on the program. Any Anything you want to say to uh, young women and men, boys in particular, anyone who's aspiring to be a police officer 
um, just care for the community, care for the job that you're doing, uh, be considerate of the people and have a heart to do what it is that you have to do as a police officer. Got to have a heart. If you don't have heart, you won't make it, I tell you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you, uh, in terms of police community relations, you think we, where are we with that in, you, in your opinion? I think we need to um, have more of color in the community of police officers. Um, and I think that because we're dealing with um, a lot of issues. So I think that we need to be, we need to see people like us in the community as officers um, working with us. Um, you know, we have a few, but we need so much, so many more, so many more. And I know that there's a fear to become an officer, but um, if you have a clean record, if you have, um, you know, no issues with the police, then I would suggest that, you know, those who are interested, please take on the job. If you want to see change, you got to, you got to make the change. And that means you have to um, take on the position to do that. All right. Words to the wise. Cassandra Jones Ingram joining us, history maker here on Inspiration for the Nation. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.